0: You're listening to the One Small Bite Podcast with me, your host, David Roscoe. For over a decade, I have built a successful nutrition practice helping thousands of people thrive, nourish their life, and break the cycle of crazy diets. We will take one small bite at a time to transform your health and develop a positive relationship to food. So let's chop the diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Okay, are you Ready? Let's do this! Hola and welcome to the One Small Bite Podcast where we bring you anti-diet conversations and topics that chop diet culture in its tracks so that we can build a secure relationship with food, make peace with your body, and learn to live fully. Hi, I'm your host, David Orozco, certified intuitive eating, registered dietitian nutritionist, and my practice is Orozco Nutrition located in Atlanta, Georgia. I have an incredible team of Hayes, health at every size, and weight-inclusive, informed and trained registered dietitian nutritionist and therapist. We are focused on that anti-diet and compassionate approach to help you break free from the shackles of diet weight diet culture and weight stigma. So, thank you for listening in and I am glad to be here with you today as I share with you some exciting news. I am going to take a small hiatus for the month of September. We are going to re- some old episodes that I think will fall well into the fall season where we start thinking about the holidays and all the craziness that comes into place. And uh, it made me realize something really important, and that is to slow down, take one small bite at a time myself and practice what I preach so I can get this book published and over to you by January 2022. So yeah, if you get an opportunity, go back to the September 1st, 2021 episode, just a couple of episodes before this to get a little backgrounder of what we're doing for September. But for now, I'm going to bring back episode 74 with my special guest, Angie Dye, registered Dietitian, nutritionist, and certified intuitive eating counselor, so she can talk to you about some other great ideas for the anti-diet New Year's resolutions. Now, of course, we are in the fall, if you're listening to this at the time of recording, but this is great to get us ready for the holiday season. One of the things that I like about Angie Dye is her approach to digestion To sports nutrition also which is a big passion of mine and as well that intuitive eating angle so really excited to have Angie talk to us today and so let's get started with this recast all right folks here we go hello there Angie how are you
1: I'm doing great. How are you, David?
0: I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I've been really pleased that we connected. In fact, just to give everybody a little bit of background, I did a little search on an intuitive eating counselor's Facebook group that we're on, and you answered the call. And then you said, hey, you know me from such and such a place. And I was thinking, where does where is it that I know Angie? I'm like, hmm. and then we connected before doing this show and I thought, Oh, it's Angie. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, I have to apologize because, you know, I'm in a female dominated profession. And so sometimes faces and names are a little m- murky in my head. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. You're a very standout uh, male dietitian amongst the sea of,
0: <laughs> of women. <laughs> so many <right>? women. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs)
1: But yes, I I always appreciated meeting you and you were so kind to me when I was thinking about starting my private practice and really everything I've done in my private practice. I I think of how kind you were and helpful. And so I was so happy to see your post on Facebook and see that you were doing these podcasts. I think it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'd like everybody to get to know you a little bit. Um, Why don't you kind of tell them who you are and what you do. Um, I've already done your bio, so you don't have to go into too much detail, but I kind of like to let people know what you're doing right now.
1: Sure. So I have a private practice in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I started that in 2011. Uh, I see primarily patients that want to explore intuitive eating or have digestive health issues. And I also work with athletes. So occasionally I have an athlete with Digestive issues that wants to work on intuitive eating, and that's great. But uh, normally, those are three different things that I do. Um, In my spare time, I love to train for triathlons. Just pulled the trigger and signed up for Ironman Florida this year. So
0: yeah, I saw that you you sent some pictures over, and um, I saw that you did. You've already done an Ironman already, or how many?
1: handful of half Ironmans, but this will be my first. Full this
0: wow. Year. Can can you just tell everybody what an Ironman is and how long and what it entails?
1: Sure. Uh, it is a 2.4 mile swim <laughs> followed by a 112 mile bike and then a
0: full marathon, (laughs) 26.2. Oh, geez. I've done a couple of century rides on my bike. Yes. And um, talk about bust ass. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I am so sore. And it's not my legs from the ride. It's more like, oh, my tush is just messed up.
1: Yes. To think
0: the two, uh, what is it? Two and a half mile swim? Yeah. 2.4. 2.4. And then, Oh my gosh. And then, (laughs) and then 112 mile bike ride. Why 112 miles?
1: You know, that's a good question. I don't really know the answer to that. Exactly.
0: I wonder if it's because it was originally kilometers. It must be probably. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That makes sense.
0: People are probably going, Oh, David, you don't know this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Angie, you signed up for one and you don't know this. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, we're, we sign up for it because we're a glutton for punishment. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> so you've done a few, a handful of half Ironmans and now yes. you're signed up for the full Ironman in Florida. Is this one of those ones that qualify you for the mega one in Hawaii? Is that one of those? Um, ones?
1: Yeah. So any, any Ironman sanctioned race will have some spots for the championship in Kona, uh, I don't think I ever realized how difficult that actually was to qualify for until I got into triathlon a bit more, but it's really kind of the first and second spots in each age group might get a um, a slot to Kona. Um, but having yeah. vacationed in Kona one time and uh, struggled to run five miles in that heat and humidity, <laughs> I don't have a big desire to go <laughs> do that race. I'd love to go see it sometime, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's, really, it's, with
1: all that black lava and heat, I, I just I can't imagine. Why?
0: That. Right. That's what I think. I I think that heat. I think you know it's fourteen to sixteen hours. So yeah. your whole day is just nothing but running around. Yeah, you're just going, <laughs> going, going, going. Yeah, I have so many questions for you about um, Ironman and, and stuff. Maybe I, I can save some of those for the end. We'll see how much time we have. but Okay, um, sure. So, okay, so 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and 26.2 mile run. Yeah. Um, which will probably take anywhere from 14 to 16 hours, I would imagine. Is that about yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'd be happy with that. The cutoff time is 17 hours. So, 17, you, yeah. you have to really be able to train to finish in under 17.
0: It's either a total of 17 hours, or there is at a certain time where you do the swim or you do the finish the bike, and they can kind of calculate she's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Right. Right. Right.
1: right, right. Yeah. So
0: they're like, get out.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: part of it is those those people in the, the, uh, uh, organizers probably don't want to stay laying around for another 10, 20 hours. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it's probably not safe for participants right. to be doing it that right. long.
0: So Right. Right. Well, it's interesting that you said, you know, every once in a while you'll get an athlete that has digestive issues and is willing to do intuitive eating. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about intuitive eating with athletes. Is that's a direction that you go, or how do you maneuver around intuitive eating and athletics? Because that's always an interesting area.
1: Yeah, I I really think they go hand in hand, and I think a lot of athletes that seek me out are are seeking me out for that reason. Um, if they've found my website, if they've found my social, they see that I'm I'm not selling oh, follow my plan for body weight loss or your best performance. Uh, I really like working with athletes on finding food they enjoy eating. They have the time to prepare, that feel good digestively, that are fueling their their workouts, that are helping them recover. And I think intuitive eating works beautifully with that, really. Um, Unfortunately, I think a lot of athletes are um, very – Type A, A, (laughs) and they approach their training that way, you know, a lacrosse player, I need to hit the wall 200 times a day, I need to have a six minute mile time, I, you know, all of these very tangible um, goals with their sports and their training, and they feel that food needs to be that way too, um, by virtue of all the mixed messages on on media, maybe teammates, uh, but really nutrition is so much more nuanced than that. And, you know, finding, finding things that are unique to you as an athlete that, you know, even, you know, different cultural foods, family foods, uh, traditional foods, things that you want to be able to fit into your life while you're training, that's very important. And you're, you're never going to get that if you buy a meal plan. That's 2,500 calories for triathlon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I think it, I think it works really well. Uh, some athletes really aren't interested in that and they're, they're probably not the ones calling me and that's okay.
0: <laughs> it makes me wonder, cause I get this question quite a bit is how do you maneuver through or around people? Not that are more, um, uh, actual athletes, uh, that are doing it competitively or for as almost a profession, but Mm -hmm. more of the recreational athlete or maybe the person, the guy or the girl who are training and they come to you and I'm like, or they say to you, I'm not losing any weight. Why can't I lose any weight? Or how is it that I can train? Like for men, I often hear, how is it that I can train and burn this fat off and grow and get big? How do you answer those two worlds? Because with women, it's one way, with men, it's another way. And then there's everything in between. How do you maneuver all that?
1: Yeah, I think that's, yeah, a great question. Uh, and I, I think to me, it comes back to this little phrase in triathlon that's described a lot as what is your why? You know, why, why are you doing this actually? So this, you know, clients of yours, why are you training for a marathon? Why are you training for a triathlon? Is it to lose weight? Well, let's talk about that, because <laughs> uh, that's certainly a, a roundabout way to go about things. So if if the, the purpose of this fitness is weight loss, it's always going to feel frustrating, probably, if you're training adequately to get better at your sport, but thinking about the weight loss all the time, neither one is probably going to happen, and you're going to feel frustrated. But if your why is like for me, I want to finish that Ironman. So I'm going to fuel for all of my training so that I'm able to do it. I'm able to prevent injury. What happens with my weight is really irrelevant. Um, But if that weight is the first focus, it's kind of all comes back to what we've talked about before about diets not working. And um, having that focus on the weight piece really defeats a lot of what you want to do as an athlete. So kind of trying to tease out what that why is for why you're training for these things
0: yeah i love it it's like simon Sinek, right what is your why right yeah everything's yeah. determined on on that why it's so beautiful i love his analogy you know who simon yes, is, right yes, yeah yes and um he's just that why how what kind of guy and i yeah. love it because to him it's the cross-sectional of the brain too which is uh something similar that daniel siegel wrote in Mindsight, his book but To me, it's beautiful that you're saying that it's interesting too, when it comes, especially with men, uh, that's why I kind of hinted at that comment Yeah. that is, I want to lose weight and get big, which is (laughs) such a dichotomy, (laughs) such a contradiction. You know, it's like, well, uh, I don't know if that's going to work that way. (laughs) Two different Um,
1: metabolic processes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's so many different things that are going anatomically as well as physiologically. Right. Um, and, you know, of course we've got hormones and muscle and skeletal differences in genders and age groups, and, and it's, it's just not one size fits all kind of approach. I love that. You also mentioned how there are so many nuances or what I looked at as variables, you know, that's why intuitive eating is so beautiful with all of this. I, I did a yeah. podcast episode with my clinician, with my dietitian that works with me, Kia Bourne, and she talked about in, intuitive eating for athletes Yes and I listened, oh, it was listened? okay, yeah, yes. and then so there there were a, there are actually a lot of dietitians that are opposed to intuitive eating for athletics, so oh, yes. yeah, yeah. is that interesting that <laughs> yeah find yeah, 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 what's your take on that?
1: My take is that they don't understand intuitive eating yeah. because uh you know, gentle nutrition mm. uh I just saw a great quote, and I, i'm sorry, I don't know who it was from. Uh, But it said, you know, gentle nutrition isn't the surprise at the end of intuitive eating. It's (laughs) woven through the entire process. And I thought, oh, that's great. I pinned it. Maybe we can put it in the show notes who who said it because it was so fabulous because I, I think that's those dietitians or naysayers that don't believe intuitive eating can work for everything don't understand that, that it's not, okay, you do all these things. And then at the end, we talk a little bit about fruits and vegetables, Gentle nutrition is woven through everything that we do with intuitive eating. So, with an athlete, um, I you know definitely am working on intuitive eating, but I I didn't take my CSSD for nothing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know how to help them figure out what their carbohydrate needs are for training, how much protein afterwards, how, how much fluids for um, an, an event or training, and so we we take that gentle guideline. But it doesn't have to be oatmeal, it doesn't have to be a protein shake, you know, there's all these different ways that we can fuel this athlete's body with foods that they enjoy with foods that are easy for them to make with foods that they grew up with and don't want to give up because they're training. So um, yeah, for people who don't get it, that's okay.
0: We yeah. Get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, uh, there are carbohydrates, proteins, and fats in grams of any food that we consume. And sometimes, as an athlete, you're going to have to get it any way you can or yeah. any way you want. And so yeah. that's what's really important. So, if a Snickers bar is going to do it, then the Snickers bar is going to do it. I remember Dean Carnassus. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yes. He's, yes. he's the ultra marathoner. I think he yes. was at, uh, presented as a keynote at one of our uh, national conferences. Anyway, I remember him talking about, uh, somebody had to ask the question about how does he eat during one of his ultra marathons? You know, this guy's run, 200 and something miles in, in one fell swoop. Yeah one time, you know, it's like,
1: oh my gosh,
0: (laughs) it's like, he constantly is running. I'm like, okay, Forrest Gump. So, (laughs) so it's like, how do you eat? And he said he orders ahead, um, based on his mall markers to a pizza place. And he asks them not to slice the pizza up. And so when they deliver (laughs) the pizza, they, he asks them as they're driving next to him to roll it up like a burrito. (laughs) He's eating the pizza while he's running in like a, a burrito bowl or like that a burrito. Great. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it just really goes to show, you know, pizza here. Wow. An ultra marathoner. And yeah, that's part of this whole concept of an extreme way of me saying, you know, it is yes. gentle nutrition, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> For the yeah. vast majority of athletes, the pizza burrito may not
0: be may not work. Idea, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought, Oh my gosh, I'd be putting it up the entire run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, of course. But I, you know, it really does get to your point about, I love that you said that, you know, and I know it's not your quote, but I'm tef- tef- definitely, definitely uh, use that. Um, how gentle nutrition is woven throughout intuitive eating yeah, because, you, you know, you're going in and out of these different areas of uh, intuitive eating, which is really mm-hmm. extremely beneficial. Um, I want to pivot, though. I want to get to something else that's really also fascinating. I love how you're in this one third in, in, in these different areas, sports nutrition, digestive health and chronic illness. So let's go with digestive health. Um, what do you typically see with uh, digestive health and how does intuitive eating work there?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I, I, I do pretty much anything digestive. I love it. I love it all. I love plumbing. I love, you know, talking about how, <laughs> how you're feeling when you're eating burps, farts, get, you know, poop, poop. all of it. Yeah. I, nothing is off limits. I've done this for 20 years. Uh, yeah. Love kind of helping people optimize their digestive health. So um I do a lot with irritable bowel and low fodmap diets. Um I do um inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, uh celiac disease, um really kind of a- anything in between fatty liver, those those types of things, anything that's impacting the digestive system. Um and I think again intuitive eating works beautifully here uh, yeah. because uh even you know within a fodmap diet let's say there are are things there that there might be favorite foods that are going to be needed to be eliminated for a little while to see if symptoms improve. Um, But even within a low FODMAP diet, I like my clients to leave that first session knowing a few yummy things that they're going to be able to eat for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, snacks, make sure they have that all set. Because if you just, click on a link for the FODMAP diet online, it's very confusing about, oh my gosh, none of my favorite foods are on here. What am I going to eat? This is never going to work. So really working with anyone uh, on improving their digestive health, those intuitive eating principles really come in and interoceptive awareness is very important. How do these you know, foods feel in your body? Uh, how do these foods feel digestively? So with my digestive health clients, probably I do a lot of intuitive eating in that process as well.
0: Yeah. I think it's important. Are you familiar with the five R protocol? Have you heard of that?
1: I've heard of it, but I can't say I'm
0: I'm putting you a little bit on the spot by doing that. So I always ask questions and I'm like, Oh my gosh, my poor guests are probably like, Hey, what is he doing? Is he quizzing me here? Yeah. Um, So just to let everybody know the five R protocol is reduce reintroduce, repeat, yes. reinoculate, and relax. And I find that the last R relax yes. is one half of all five, meaning that it holds the heaviest weight. So once, we, I, cause I do a lot of digestive work as well. I do a lot of yeah. people, same thing. I do, um, IBS, all the IBDs, IBS, yeah. ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, SIBO, uh, celiac, and then mm-hmm. a combination of different areas. Um, and so one of the things that I often see is that even though I am anti-diet and I don't believe in giving people diets, when it comes to for specifically IBS, very well-researched FODMAP, there is a way, gentle nutrition way of getting to understanding, well, what foods are going to help? But more importantly, is they get this sense of relaxation, and, and another way of saying decreased stress because it's like, oh, yes. okay, okay, okay. Right now, I'm feeling a little better. The hard part is the reintroduction. I tell them, this is by far the most difficult part is the reintroduction. And and that is because a lot of people feel really good when they're in that elimination phase. Yes.
1: <laughs> and they
0: don't want to get out of it. I'm like, no, no. you got to get out of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't stay there. Because not yeah. only that, but you could also develop an eating disorder very easily, too. I had a client, a male client who had IBS, and he was a, vi- a vegan. and. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> hard, really and I hard. said, and I said, look, quite honestly, if we go down this route, I do want to warn you that y- y- it could be fraught with a lot of eating disorders, uh, behaviors that can easily uh, creep up. So we really need to work this very carefully here. So I worked with him a lot and it is rare for a man to have IBS or at least be diagnosed. Let me put it that way to okay. have IBS and then come in. So I definitely tried using intuitive eating with him, but it was a lot harder because there were so many variables, especially being vegan. He, what was interesting too, is that he smoked and I was like, Oh goodness gracious. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Um, but I love that you and I are on the same page here with digestive, you know, you said it early on and I kind of brought it up and that is the athlete with digestive issues. I bet you that's not very uncommon. I bet you see that quite a bit. Don't you?
1: Yeah. I think I've seen a paper like up to 30% of athletes have some digestive trouble. So, and it's not any, you know, it's, it's funny with the digestive stuff. Uh, people are so excited to talk about it finally, when they have a safe space, uh, Sometimes they don't like to talk about that stuff with their spouse, with their doctor even. Um, but here you've got this dietitian who's asking, so you know, how's it how's it going in the bathroom? How's the yeah. oh well you know what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it's like this is really good to talk about all this. I didn't know if this was normal or not normal. And you yeah. know, we need to we need to normalize that because yeah. that's such a huge factor in your overall health of what's going on with how you're digesting food. Uh, so I think it should really be normalized. This yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. Last night we were having dinner as a family. I, uh, almost every night try to have dinner with family and we're all sitting at the table and, uh, we were, for some reason, the conversation of poop came up. And uh, my daughter goes, "Oh no, no!" And I said, "Sweetie, I talk about poop with clients every single day. It's yeah. no big deal. Poop is human. Everybody yeah. poops. Don't you remember yeah. that book we read to you when we were really young, and when you were really young?" And she's like, "Oh, but not at dinner time." I'm like, yeah. Yeah. you know, no big deal. But I, I bring this up because it's interesting. Um, there, I every time I think of digestive and the poop, I think of what. Um Dr. Oz did um talking about how poop has to be perfect.
1: Oh brother. The S-shape <laughs> snake he oh, says no. and I'm like,
0: "Oh, Dr. Oz, leave it alone. You're a surgeon. You're not a gastroenterologist. You're no. not a poop expert." <laughs> leave no. it alone. Leave it alone. And so I get clients. I mean, that had such an impact because it was around the time that he was interviewed by Oprah when Oprah still had her, her show uh-huh. and he made that impact. It was so strong that it still lives today. It's probably been repeated in so many media outlets and, and, and on mm-hmm. social media. And so a lot of people will come to me and they'll say, well, it's not that perfect, you know, snake S <laughs> shape. And I'm like, oh, jeez." <laughs> <laughs> you know and so i talk about perfect because then there's the athlete right mm-hmm. and so the athlete is in that same type a perfectionist mode and so it's it's that's where you know as an athlete you know there's a lot of leading into disordered behaviors as well that can end up leading into more digestive health problems. Oh, yes. it gets, so this is another reason why I think intuitive eating is so beneficial because it moves away from that obsessive compulsiveness. Um, that's so fraught in, in, uh, that kind of that world. Don't Absolutely.
1: you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Sue, so I love that you're, um, involved in all of this and I, I love your approach. I love also the name of your practice, the name of your company. Can you tell everybody what that is again?
1: Sure. It's Carpe Diem Nutrition.
0: And what does it stand for?
1: So Carpe Diem, for you non-Latin speaking people out there, means seize the day. And, seize the
0: day. I yeah. love it. I love yeah. it. I love so it. Where'd you get the name from?
1: Uh, I always love that expression, Carpe Diem. I don't know if I heard it from Dead Poets Society when I was in high school or you know something. And I just always thought, wow, that's great. Just taking each day by itself. What, what can happen with this day? What can we do with this day? And it was at that uh, very same conference that I met you and was getting ready to start my private practice and was thinking about branding and, you know, what I wanted my practice to be about. And uh, Rebecca Scritchfield actually gave a really great uh, presentation at Fancy about, you know, tying in something you're passionate about into your brand and your brand should speak to everything that you're going to do in your practice. And I thought, I think I'm, I, that's carpe diem. That's what's speaking to me of, I would like my clients to just think about nutrition one day at a time, because it's, you know, really so overwhelming to think about, oh my gosh, I have to, you know, be on track or be perfect for, you know, a month or two months or A whole year, all these things. But really, I I see those big nutrition changes happen when you approach it in one small bite. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) One day at a time. (laughs) time.
0: Yeah, that's why I love your name because it so echoes the one small bite concept too. Yes. It's like, you know, what you do is you take one small bite and or one day at a time, you move along that process and the transformation occurs that way versus yeah. you trying to mold what yet hasn't happened we're so living in the future and you got to do it in the present you can't do it in the future obviously so um that's great Uh, i do remember seeing it in dead poet society but here in in atlanta there is a there was a restaurant i think they're still around but they have uh two restaurants one is called capre D M and mm-hmm. like yours. And the other one is called operate DM, which is, uh-huh. you know, seize the appetizer or seize yeah. the meal, which I love because, you know, we're talking about nutrition, right? So yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bring it up because I really have enjoyed their food for so long, which is oh, so good. So um, I have to I have to say something. So you're practicing out of Hershey, Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Yeah. And are you, are you doing a lot of online stuff too? Or?
1: Everything online. I've been all online since uh, since March. I've always had telehealth set up in my practice, but really always loved face-to-face with people. And then, you know, those first few clients in March, I said, oh, let's switch to telehealth. <laughs> and, you know, when we're back to things, we'll see each other in the summer. And,
0: <laughs> right, and right.
1: it's just uh, really opened up so many, so many more uh, clients I'm seeing because they can make a telehealth appointment so much easier than, you know, driving to my office, leaving work early, um, that kind of thing. So just opening your computer and having your dietitian there, I think has been really nice for uh, for me to stay connected to people, to meet new people, to be working with more more people who maybe couldn't take the time to get to an
0: appointment before. So I've been mm-hmm.
1: thankful for my computer
0: and my yeah, telephone right. platform. Yeah. Right, right. Um, I, I I also wanna bring up the irony that you live in Hersey, Pennsylvania. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but that's Eat why, town. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's why it's so important to be an intuitive eating dietitian, too, right? <laughs> yes,
1: yes. We have Hershey bars downstairs in the pantry, usually all times.
0: <laughs> I bet, I bet. Do they have like a bunch of Hershey stores? I I can't help but think it's like Willy Wonka over there.
1: So it is kind of Willy Wonka esque. Yes, there is a thing <laughs> called Chocolate World, and it is a big giant world of chocolate. You can get any. Hershey product and they make all kinds of different things besides chocolate. They have so many different, you know, candy brands and um, cocoa and, you know, all, all kinds of things, all the Reese's products, peanut butter, you know, yeah, tons and tons of yummy stuff. But you can go and you can do a little tour and they show you how they make the chocolate, which is really kind of neat and interactive. You can make your own chocolate bar um, there's little cafe. They make a life-size gingerbread house every <laughs> Christmas that you can walk through. <laughs> so yes, that's, lots, that's of, a- lots of candy in my town, but
0: yeah, it's, it's yeah.
1: Sweet town, the sweetest place on earth.
0: Though, say. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great statement. I love that. Yeah, it probably is. when you think yeah. about it. <laughs> well, who would be grumpy in Hershey, Pennsylvania? Yeah. When you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, it makes me think. You mentioned, you know, having Hershey's or uh, chocolate downstairs in your house. And um, how has intuitive eating influenced your parenting and feeding styles in your house?
1: Yeah, I. Uh, really never thought about that when I was doing my intuitive eating training, what a blessing that was going to be for raising children. Um, They've really grown up thinking all food is food. There's no good foods. There's no bad foods. We always, since they were little, have talked about listening to your signals, listening to your body. Are you full? Do you want more? Do you want something else? You want to come back later? (laughs) These are all things that they've learned, grown up, just are intuitive to them, because I was learning it myself and parenting that way of of not forcing them to try something or not making them finish their plate before they could have dessert. These are just you know intuitive eating principles that have come along with them as I was learning them and and having a family, so there are three teenagers now that have no interest in diets that have no interest in. <laughs> Counting calories or uh, following, you know, Instagram diets or anything. They just, you know, really eat the foods that they enjoy and eat a really wide variety of foods. And, you know, if I if I never did any work with intuitive eating and I I got that benefit out of my kids, I think that would have that alone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, talk about uh, a simple certification, or not a simple, but a certification that has helped you be a parent, a better parent, oh right? Oh my
1: gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Um I I can speak to some of my challenges, but what what would you say despite knowing intuitive eating, um what would be some of the challenges for parents uh, trying to raise more intuitive eating children?
1: Ooh, well, I would say being locked in your house maybe uh, for the <laughs> last few months yeah. I, I, has been a challenge. I've gotten, um, you know, more more kids, you know, consults, new consults for kids in the last few months from just, um, I, I think, effects of the pandemic of of not not leaving the house, not having a lot of things to do for entertainment, maybe, you know, using food and snacks for for boredom, so definitely this time has been challenging. Um, you know, it, out, outside of outside of that, I, I I can't think of like really big challenges off the top of my head. Other than if you're not really familiar with truly what intuitive eating is, it can be very confusing because um, you know, kind of talking how we did with the athletes and that gentle nutrition being incorporated into everything it is so with parenting as well um, it's not telling your kids oh go have at it go for the Twinkies go for the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <you> know, <right. laughs> um, potato chips all of that whenever you want that's that's not how intuitive eating is for adults or or for for kids so really understanding how that gentle nutrition um, you know, providing those really balanced, nice, wholesome foods most of the time, and having um, treats and special things some of the time, and that you know, parenting and intuitive eating can can go together, but it's not a free for all. Um, but that's probably misunderstood a lot. I would say it can be a challenge.
0: Yeah, that is a very good point. I think it's also very interesting if you're still dealing without or with your own challenges with food and having come to that reconciliation or as Evelyn puts it, radical acceptance, then it's gonna be very challenging as a parent to try to incorporate intuitive eating with kids simply because there's a difficulty understanding your own hunger fullness cues and difficulty understanding your relationship with eating or may have not made peace with food or rejected diets, might still incorporate diets in a way that Kind of seeps in so sneakily. Is that sneakily? Is that a word? Yeah, sneakily. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just—it's so insipidous. I think. Um, the other thing that I think too—it's also very interesting—is how you can think one thing and do another. And (laughs) do you see that sometimes as well?
1: Yeah. 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 Um, are you talking like? ourselves or with clients or clients.
0: Yeah. With clients. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Right.
1: Yeah. Because that has come up with a lot of my um, intuitive eating clients. The conversation a lot of times will go to their kids. Well, Mm -hmm. my, you know, my kids are doing this. My husband and I are fighting about, you know, if they're allowed to have these snacks or not, and really kind of, unpacking like what why does that bother you if <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're having yeah the snack that's not organic <laughs> like,
0: yeah yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. What,
1: what is it what is that about so you know on the surface they're thinking they're really accepting intuitive eating but finding watching their children really do intuitive eating is scary you know so yeah yeah saying and doing can be different mm-hmm. right
0: yeah um, yeah. so getting back to this again, the way the parent or the adult, let's make believe they don't have kids, but maybe mm-hmm. the adult has a, that relationship with food and eating and how they're saying to themselves. Now we're getting to the end of the month of January, and New Year's resolutions are probably, of course, easily wearing off on a lot of a lot of uh, people. So what do you see as some of the challenges around people in this time of year with the goals of having New Year's resolutions and how how do you maneuver through that with them?
1: Yeah, well, it's the end of January and you've probably felt this way at the end of January before if you've tried a diet <laughs> because we know the statistics on diets are not good and uh, normally don't work and they're not sustainable. So. Um, kind of, you know, looking forward to, if if you don't know about intuitive eating, learning about it, thinking about approaching your health in one small bite or carpe diem, seizing your day, (laughs) what that might look like, how that might be different than what you did at the beginning of January. You know, what if you rolled into February thinking, I'm just going to take this one day at a time. Let's one or two or three good things I can do for my health today, that really aren't diet focused, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's drinking more water, maybe it's, you know, I know I have a hard time with that in the, in the winter, when it's cold, and those thirst sensations aren't there, what would what would my hunger and fullness look like? if I just focused on my water today, if I just did that, um, you know, and it's so, so different for every person. Maybe, maybe that exercise joyful movement piece is the thing you're really struggling with. You know, how, how can you find something going into February that's going to be an activity that you look forward to? You know, I have clients who've discovered tap dancing or (laughs) doing, dance videos with their kids at home, you know, and giving up the treadmill or the gym membership. So um, it could be, you know, exploring these little different areas of your health um, that aren't diet related to see what that might feel like and how that might feel different starting the rest of
0: 2021. Yeah, I love, I think the theme that you're going to there that I'm hearing at least from everything that you've said there is feeling is how is it going to make you feel? And it's not necessarily how does it make you feel in the moment, although that's important, but long term, I like doing this, it's enjoying it's um, it's something I could do with my family or something that helps me kind of get away from life a little bit. It's my meditative Mm -hmm. or my hypnotic process. And that is so important with physical activity. But I, I, I can't help but think, you're right, this is easy for us to say because, you know, we're very active. We're not in heavier bodies. I mean, you do uh, half Ironmans and Ironmans or triathlons in general, right? And that requires an enormous amount of training, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about blocks or bricks or yeah. um, multiple training moments and stuff. How do we then talk to our clients about, hey, it doesn't have to be something like that. How do you maneuver that?
1: Oh, yeah. I never talk to my clients unless they're endurance athletes about what I do, because (laughs) that's so personal to me. And I know that's not for everyone, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would would never want my clients to feel like, oh, my gosh, I have to sign up for an Ironman to work with this lady. (laughs) (laughs) I would not have too many clients, although I love working with Ironman athletes. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I think always with any of my clients, I, I look at where you are and where you'd like to be. So helping find some small, tangible, sustainable goals. So if right now there's no physical activity at all, it's just indoor, you're sitting at your computer, you're doing telehealth, you're not getting, you know, more than 500 steps, then we, you know, figure out a a small, enjoyable, something that we're going to put in there to work towards where you'd like to be. So always, you know, figuring out where you're at and and where you'd like to go, and and starting from there. So, could be just adding in small walks, um, doing you know something with your family. Uh, maybe you've got a elliptical in the basement that you haven't yeah, That, you, found, you, hung, that <laughs> you hung clothes man-mates. on, or something. yeah. So, um, definitely, uh, just you know. And I think sometimes clients are happy to hear it can be 10 minutes to start. It doesn't have to be, you know, maybe two years ago, they were doing a beach body challenge or something where they did, you know, these big 45 and hour long workouts. And they think that's what it has to be if they're going to start doing movement again. Um, But really, you know, starting out small and building on that. It's the beginning of a new year. And again, if you take it day by day, you can get there.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I love bringing up this study that they did. It was a really, really good study. And I talk often with my clients about it. They took four groups. They took one group that did no physical activity and they just gave them physical activity information. And then they took a second group and they had them work out for like 30 minutes to three times a week. They took a, 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 a third group and had them work out at high intensity for like 60 minutes to 90 minutes, four to six days a week. And then they take a fourth group and the fourth group, they had them just do five or 10 minutes, two or three times a day for four or five days a week. And they showed that the second group, the one that did 30 minutes uh, and and the third group that did 60 minutes, had uh, less better health outcomes than the fourth group that did just (laughs) the walking. And the the reason I love this study was because they did it in these groups, they were able to maintain the number of people in the groups steady. Mm -hmm. They did the first test within like four months and then they followed up with them in a year and then they retested them again in five years and oh, then wow. they found and looked at very different health parameters, not just weights. They looked at mm-hmm. comorbidities, you know, diabetes, yeah. cholesterol, digestive issues, cardiovascular diseases, so on and so forth. And they looked at mortality rates as well. And so they saw that the group that did 10 minutes, th- two or three times a day had better outcomes. Another study that I often talk about is this other one that um out of... um Uh, Dr. Lee, I think, out of uh, uh, Brigham and Women's University in Boston, Mm -hmm. um, where she looked at why why the 10,000 step parameter, where did that come from? And she found out that it was a pedometer company in Japan back in the late 70s. That wanted to sell their p- p- pedometer and <laughs> said, Oh, take 10,000 steps I and mean, let me here give, sell you a machine that'll count them for you. But yeah. what she found was that the magic number was between 4,000 and 7,000 steps a day.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: she looked at women specifically over, I think it was 10 years, and mm-hmm. she found the same outcomes that women that did between 4,000 steps and 7,000 steps that after 7,000 steps or maybe it was 7,500 steps, there was diminished returns. You wouldn't Mm -hmm. see the health outcomes that you would see in people that were doing 4,000 steps or around 4,000 steps most days out of the week, which was phenomenal to me. I thought that that was really, really great, uh, which is sort of what you're getting at here too, right? It's sort of the small incremental um, steps that we do over time, right? Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, you're also bringing in, and kind of the theme that I kept hearing was your why again is yeah. why are you doing it? Right. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, leaving people with kind of one small thing. I kind of think you've already talked about it, but what would you say is one thing that they can do going forward um, now that they're at this time of the year and you know, the new year's resolution thing really isn't going to work for them. So what would you just suggest that they do going forward then?
1: Um, I, I- like to think about, you know, what are the things that you feel like are going well with what you're doing, maybe with food and movement? And what are the things that you feel like you're struggling with? And, and why? And and maybe what are what are things that you could do to help those struggles be easier? Maybe that's something you can ask, you know, figure out on your own. But Maybe that's something that a dietitian can help you with too. I mean, we're really good at that,
0: right? <laughs> we're trained in
1: this, right? Uh, Not so, that we,
0: we're tooting our own horn, but we are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: um, because if you you know if you're at the end of January and you're feeling down, you're feeling like you know maybe what you've tried in January hasn't worked. Um, other other parts of the world, people see dietitians like they do. You know, hairdressers, or <laughs> uh, you know that that's just something that um, you you pretty regularly check in with your dietitian uh, and have that ongoing support, someone to bounce questions off of, someone to you know help guide you, help sort through all of the um, so much misinformation that is available and um, everywhere. So um, that is you know something that I think can be can be really helpful if if you need. A little structure and and how to to make those positive changes that don't feel diety that feel like you can stick with.
0: Yeah, and and the other thing is is insurance. Most insurance plans are going to cover services uh, and Absolutely. a good amount of them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, a good amount of us do take insurance, especially yes. in private practice, which is a great thing. So, I do,
1: and so many people don't know that. Even when they book an appointment with me, I say, do "You know, do you have an insurance that you want me?" Oh, I, I bet my insurance doesn't cover this. And I have, <laughs> tell me what insurance you have. I bet they do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Pennsylvania
1: yeah. is really, really good for uh, insurance coverage for dietitians. So,
0: I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, but- That's good. That's so important. Same here. You know, I, I want to make sure people know that because uh, it's such a benefit that could be used. It's a lot more affordable than, uh, you know, an expensive medical procedure that you might not really need. Um, And and again, when we're talking about intuitive eating, we're talking about gentle nutrition and that we're not ignoring health. You know, it's not Mm. just eat whatever you want all the time, every day, uh, whenever it is, well, I love what you said, you know, what are things that are going well? And to me, I kind of thought, oh, okay, that's how it's going to help with what you're struggling with, right? Take a strength, Mm And that will help get towards what you're struggling with. You know, if you're good yeah. at eating breakfast, then that can at least fuel you for the day if you're struggling through lunch, or maybe you, you do great with dinner. I have a client right now and she really enjoys how we've focused mainly on dinner because that's the meal that, she, that she can do really well. All right, great. Mm-hmm. Then how does that trickle down into other areas or how is it yeah. had a domino effect? Right? Yeah which I love. That's what I heard, at least from you. I, I'm guessing that's what you're doing. Too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think when you, you know, think about going that dieting route, you don't often don't look at the things that you're doing that are really good already that yeah. don't need fixing.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, uh,
1: maybe you're, yeah, maybe you're a great breakfast planner. Maybe you're packing your lunch. Maybe, you know, maybe it is dinner that you're struggling with. Maybe that's, you know, something that you could look at how that can, uh, become a little bit more seamless going forward. Um, yeah. but n- always giving yourself some credit for the things that you know you're, that are doing good and absolutely building off of those things, um, can really keep setting you up for feeling like you're doing a good job and you don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't need a, a diet, a
0: diet, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to be a, uh, you don't need to have these strict guidelines on what you're supposed to do that, that, that only will create more desire in the future anyway. So, yes. um, Great. This is fantastic. Angie, I can talk to you forever about all of this, uh, but I want to be conscious of your time. Uh, I'd love for you to tell people where they can find you.
1: So I have a website, uh, carpadmnutrition.com, And I'm on Instagram as RDN. Uh I am on Twitter. I don't tweet a whole lot, but the Twitter universe is fun. That's CarpeDM RDN also.
0: Good. And And I'll have a
1: page. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You have a Facebook page as well.
1: I do Carpe Diem nutrition.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. And I'll have all these links in my show notes as well. So awesome. This is great. I'm so excited that you were able to join me for this. This is so, so good. Um, do you have any last? Oh, I have a question. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I almost forget this question. All right. Uh, this is a fun question. I'm sure you've heard me ask it before. But if you uh, if you could have one final meal, and it could be anything that you ever wanted, all right, uh, mm-hmm. and they'll make it for you. You don't have to worry about it. And it is the final meal. What would it be?
1: Ooh, and I've heard you ask this question, but I didn't prepare my answer. So
0: <laughs> I often tell people come up with the first thing that came to their mind.
1: Yeah, I I would think it would have to be something that my mother would make me.
0: Um yeah. any any speci- specific recipe? You no, know, I'm going to go
1: with the first thing that came to my mind, which I wouldn't think this on paper, but uh we're uh, Slovenian and Croatian is my heritage nice. and so okay. we grew up eating sarma, which some Ooh. people call it holumki or uh stuffed cabbage, so it's uh, kind of ground beef and rice wrapped in cabbage and their sauerkraut and it's a very Ooh. comforting cozy eastern uh, european comfort food
0: <laughs> that, that sounds that great
1: what came to my mind first
0: <laughs> that's uh what is that it sounds like that mediterranean stuffed grape leaf um, um is it similar so, to that
1: yes um so those are Baklava? called maybe or no oh. um there is a, a Greek dish that's similar to it as yeah. well. That's kind of Mediterranean. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. What is, what is it that you call it? Dharma. Oh, yeah. That's like good.
1: S-A-R-M-A. Yeah. Okay. That's so, a, okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't have a recipe for it, would you?
1: I would have a recipe. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, if you send it to me, I'll put it on the show notes.
1: Yeah. And I've actually experimented with that recipe a lot and I found a A vegan version last year that used um, lentils instead of ground beef. That was kind of really nice if you're trying to eat a little bit more plant based. I really enjoyed that one a lot. So yeah, it's, you know, stuffed cabbage. uh, But I'd be happy to happy to share my family recipe.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean, if you can, that's great. I mean, I'll put it up. So I'm not going to pressure you into all of this, but if it's there, people can find it. If it's not, give us, you know, Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to put you on the spot, Angie. I think that's not No. no. But if you have it, I'll put it. I think it's great to to have that, you know? (laughs) Okay. Thank you for listening in. I hope you enjoyed that recast episode. And I just want to remind you that we will be taking a small hiatus for the month of September. And that's so I could work on that new book, which I've been meaning to get published for a while. So taking a little break in order to bring that for you come January of 2022. But enjoy these recast episodes that we have coming through I just want to remind you that we are at our our new website, OrozcoNutrition.com. So if you have any questions or if you want to visit, maybe you want to make an appointment with one of our clinicians, just go to OrozcoNutrition.com and click on Make an Appointment or shoot us an email at listeners at OrozcoNutrition.com. Okay, one last thing. Remember, if you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please remember to do that. Also, leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcast or iTunes. And also, if you like this show, send it over to two friends that you think will benefit, especially for the coming year. Okay, folks, I look forward to having more great shows for you. Remember, chop that diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Until next time, ciao.